Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Today, we're joined by Catherine Dawson of Melcourt Industries, experts in composting and mulching. They recently got the nod from the Prince of Wales, so you're in very good company. My thanks to Sutton Seeds, sponsors of this podcast. Goodness, it's been a busy 10 days, two of them in Holland, and so much to see there. And really lovely weather, quite remarkable. Blue skies and more like September than November. And then, of course, back home, we were followed by really heavy rain. That brought the leaves down. Pity, really. You know, autumn colour, I think, is like a sunset. Beautiful to look at. But boy, if you're not quick, you miss it altogether. Uh, and then, of course, I've been on to Cooling's Nurseries at Knockholt, where we're uh, arranging a poinsettia day for the 6th of December. Uh, and then there's going to be uh, school children bust in to sing to parties of uh, retired folk from residential homes. It's amazing how music uh, stimulates and pleases people with dementia. And really, when you mix the young and the old, that really works. Uh, and with a bit of luck, they'll have a nice poinsettia to travel home with. There's still lots happening in our industry. Absolutely amazing. Another Wyvale Garden Centre sold. Uh, the old barn garden centre, that's uh, changing hands. Uh, and I'm also told the latest figures from DEFRA indicate a 7% increase in area under glass. I mean, that surprised me. I thought glasshouse production of anything would be going down. But this is mainly fruit and vegetables. There's a 13% decline in the area used for ornamental crops. We now have the largest area cropping under glass for several decades. Tomatoes alone saw a 7-hectare increase at Thanet in Kent and 5.4 hectares in Suffolk. Boy, we're going to have a lot of tomatoes next year. The explanation for our 7% increase, although most of that increase is going towards the edible side of the industry rather than the ornamental. I mean, it's mainly fruit and veg that uh, shows a 13% increase. And Westland, the uh, really big company now into composts and all kinds of garden sundries, they bought Gardman recently to make them the largest wild bird food uh, wholesaler. I hear that this week they bought Erin, 
That's a company which produces potting composts. I don't know where they still do. We used to buy flower pots from them that were made of paper mache. You know, cardboard was sort of pulped up and made into containers. Very soft and easy to handle. And, of course, they would be uh, back into fashion again now. When it comes to work in the garden, uh, in the greenhouse and polytunnel, if you're growing in the soil, it will have got very dry, especially with the heat last summer. And in my polytunnel, I've just started to uh, really clear it and hope to dig the whole lot over. And I left the sprinkler on one area for two hours. I just forgot it, I regret to admit, uh, and was really worried. But then when I started to dig, after two hours of sprinkling, the water had only gone in two or three inches. Now, it is important, if you've been growing crops like tomatoes and cucumbers in the greenhouse soil or in polytunnel soils, that they have a really good flooding at this time of the year. If you've been feeding high potash fertilisers through the summer, uh, then we get what is called a build-up of salts and a really good watering to wash those through and get the soil back into a more ordinary condition is well worth doing. I'm kicking myself, really, because uh, last mid-May, I took a few croissant cuttings in the old-fashioned way uh, for what we called direct strut cuttings. In other words, you take the tips out of uh, croissants that you're going to plant in the garden, you root those, grow them on in pots for a little while, and then plant them into uh, cold greenhouses or polytunnels, and then they flower beautifully now. I've got some really fantastic blooms of a pink with green tips on the petals called Charlotte. Just wished I'd rooted more, and I've made a note that I'm certainly going to do that next year. I really need a good bed of them so I can cut 20 or 30. Uh, there's some chance, too, that once you've cut the main bloom, you know, a disbudded stem, some low side shoots will come up to give us a bit of spray flower pretty well through to Christmas with a bit of luck. Now, if you have taken plants indoors, as we suggested a week or two ago, into greenhouses and polytunnels, things like uh, geraniums and fuchsias, do keep an eye on those. And if there is any yellowing leaves or flowers that have died and gone a bit brown, make sure you clean those off quite regularly. If they're left in place with the high humidity and dull days, then soft rots, especially botrytis, can really do some damage. So keep those uh, overwintered plants really nice and clean. Our guest this week is Catherine Dawson. We exchange uh, comments at pretty well every trade show uh, over the years, uh, and I've come to respect very much... Uh, Catherine's experience and knowledge of compost. Uh, Catherine, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you, Peter. I'm fine. Yeah. Now, can you please first explain uh, what Melcourt Industries is, you know, the company, how long you've been going and what you do? Certainly. Um, Melcourt was started by a chap called John Latter in the early 1980s. We've been going for just over 30 years. John was a forester and saw a gap in the market for bringing um, some forest residues to the, in those days, mainly the landscape market. 
at a time when bark mulches were in their infancy and it coincided with landscape uh, with local authorities needing to make big savings on the labour costs of, of parks and gardens upkeep. So the growth in bark mulches in the 80s was phenomenal. Um, Melcourt really made a name for for refining the market, making a much better choice of materials and doing them at price, affordable prices. Then gradually, gradually, um, as they became known, there was more of a demand from the professional grower who was also using bark in those days as an ameliorant for peat, making peat more useful by improving its structure, particularly for the nursery stock market where plants are in pots for a long time and uh, any slumping of the growing medium can cause winter losses through um, root death. So bark was used and known by nurserymen as, a, as an ameliorant, a useful ingredient to add to their professional growing media. Um, and then gradually, gradually, the peat debate came along and Melcourt became asked for more fine materials, fine bark, to replace peat or, or to replace some of it. And gradually, our expertise grew in this whole field of producing a, a ready-to-use growing medium rather than just an ingredient of a growing medium. Um, and in the early 2000s, we introduced a range of professional peat-free growing media, which is still going strong to this day. Um, and then in... About, the, uh, about 2014, we, f we were getting more and more demands from some of our growers who were also retailers, who were saying that their customers were saying to them, we want to use what you use. So they were just selling them our professional growing media in its professional, um, very simple bag. Um, and they came to us and said, "Can you do a can you do a retail pack, a more a more gardener friendly pack with instructions on it?" And that's how the Silver Grow range was born um, through the through the questions and demands from our our retail grower customers. And it's taken off very nicely indeed. There is a market out there for a good peat free. We decided at an early stage not to compromise on quality just because we're selling to gardeners. We're not, we're not making it down to a price, which can happen a lot in the, in the retail market. But we, we decided to go for that, that strand of gardens, gardeners that want success and success every time, really. So we put a professional product in a retail pack. Uh, can I take you right back? Because when you started with bark mulches, the quality and the standard of that uh, recycled material was not as critical as it is with composts. And when I visited your yard, I was amazed by the uniformity of those materials that were going into potting composts. I mean, they were just so beautiful to handle and to hold and enormous quantities of a very great, uh, a very fine high standard. So, I mean, how do you get that? standard? I suppose it, it's long years of experience. The one thing about bark compared to peat is you can handle it reasonably robustly. With peat, you have to be very careful. Every time you move peat, every time you touch it, it's subject to, to, to change. It gets finer. If a grower, you will know this, Peter, if, you, if a grower who's mixing their own 
um, puts a, a peat compost or peat-based mix into um, a, a mixer and churns it around to, in, to incorporate the fertilizers and any other additives, that, that churning process can actually begin to break the peat down and make it finer. And it would be the same with you when you're using a potting machine, won't it? It's not just it, the yes, mixing. Exactly. Any, anything like an auger, um, any any sort of spiral that you're putting the material through, yes. And and in doing so, what happens is the, the growing medium can get too fine, which means it can hold too much water, which is the thing that can lead to water logging. Um, a growing medium, if you think of a growing medium like a, a sponge, and imagine a sponge... With lots of large holes, if you squeeze it in some water, a sponge with lots of large holes, lots of air capacity, will drop a lot more water out than, than one that's got a lot of very, very fine pores. Growing media are just the same. Lots of fine pores mean a lot more water held. Now, you do need water held, of course, um, but you also need a balance because plant roots need air as much as they need water. Um, now, with bark, we can be a bit rougher with it. You can move it without it changing. And that, that helps us to, um, we screen it, we don't chop it. I think a lot of people think that the first thing that happens when you get a bark into the processing yard is that we chop it up. Chopping is a very energy intensive process. And we find that we can get mostly what we need by simply screening. We have very, very large screeners and the raw bark goes in at one end and it goes over a series, it's, it's a big rotating drum called a trommel with fine holes at one end going through a series of different sizes and we get, we get coarse mulches out at the far end and then going back towards the beginning we get finer and finer, we go past the soil improver bark size fraction and then the finest two size fractions are those that end up in growing media, much more like peat in appearance but because it's um, a relatively uniform material going in and our operators know um, you know if you put bark through a screen if it's very dry you can get a very different particle size range to if it's very wet so summer to winter they know that they can change the speeds so our, our yard um, staff are very very good at these these fine tuning details that you can only get through long years of, of experience really but but as I say the main thing is the advantage of the robustness of bark which is it's very that's the very nature of it as a material um, on the tree it's there to protect the, 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 the wood underneath from from the elements and it's a strong robust material. Now you speak about the different grades coming through I mean nurserymen as well as using the finer grades for compost will also top dress containers, won't they? I mean, sometimes when you go to the garden centre and you buy a conifer or a shrub or something, there will be a layer of much coarser bark on the top. Yes, pot mulching, as it's become known, has become very popular because so many of the herbicides that growers used to use for keeping the tops clean have been withdrawn. And also, people don't want their staff to be having to handle pesticides unless it's absolutely necessary. They need training to do that. They need to wear a lot of personal protective equipment. Whereas with a, with a, a bark mulch, or you can get wood-based ones as well, 
You put a thin layer on the surface of a pot and it's enough to prevent particularly moth and liverwort. And moss and liverwort are a real problem for growers who might be using um, tunnels to grow liners in, for example, where the light, the light levels are a little bit lower. Moss and liverwort can cope quite happily with that. They'll grow away on a, on a wet compost surface. So if you can put a thin layer of something drier down, um, it's just enough to prevent it. And it, it adds up to a real saving. Nurserymen spend a lot of time cleaning up pots particularly, again, nursery stock and herbaceous perennials, anything that's been in the pot for a reasonable length of time has this propensity to get a bit um, weedy on the top. And putting a thin layer of, 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 of a bark topper, which the most popular one from us is about a three millimetre to about 12 to 15 millimetres in size, the sort of material that used to get used and still does with peat as an ameliorant, as we were saying earlier, that's the right sort of size, just sits on the top of the pot and it, make, it, it helps it stay clean. It's a much quicker job for the nurseryman at dispatch, but also it saves on the amount of chemical they're having to apply. And cost-wise, it's pretty much of a muchness. Herbicides are very expensive, um, and again, as I say, if you can cut out the need for staff training and staff updates of training, it's all very regulated nowadays. Catherine, am I wrong? When I buy uh, container plants and they have that layer, I tend to just take it off and find it very useful to add to blueberry compost or even for orchid mixes because bark is very good in those roles, isn't it? Yeah, yes, absolutely. It, it, it has got a value um, if there's enough on it to, to do that. But yes, it's the same material. It's, from us, it's, it's pine. Pine is the strongest, hardest of the softwood conifer barks that are available to us commercially. Um, it's a nice chippy bark, and yes, we sell we sell a lot of that into the orchid uh, compost market, and and certainly blueberries and pine bark are a very a very nice match. Yes, and a very big chunky pine bark, if you use that as a decorative mulch, that really lasts, doesn't it? It does, and um, it it's extremely resilient, and that's why it, the the orchid growers like it because orchids obviously are growing in fairly warm temperatures, shouldn't be too wet most of the time, but they'll be damp. And um, those are conditions that organic materials can break down in, but a, a pine bark is, is very, very resilient. And we use the same material for children's um, right. play surfaces where they, it's all about reducing the risk of, of damage if a child falls off some play equipment. And I put some in my own garden when my own children were young, and when it came to taking it out, I'd, I'd done a very thorough job with Mipex, you know, polypropylene layer underneath. And it was too big a job to uninstall it when I wanted to put it back to garden. So I left it and just put a lot of compost and soil on the top of it. And now when I dig down, and bearing in mind my children are now in their 20s. So we're talking about 15, 16, 17 years ago when I dig down, that pine bark is still there. It's still particulate. Um, after all these years. So, yes, it, it is very, very resilient. <laughs> certainly, certainly lasts. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I have to congratulate you too, don't I? Exciting news earlier this year when you were given the uh, 
Prince of Wales Feathers. You know, we Malcourt were. is now by appointment. By appointment to His Royal Highness the Prince of Wales. We were absolutely delighted. Yes, we've sold an organic peat-free product to Prince Charles for his for use in his Highgrove garden, which is very close to our headquarters in, um, in Gloucestershire near Tetbury. Um, you have to supply the royal household for a continuous period of five years, which we've done. Um, the thing we didn't realise, you also have to fill in a fairly extensive sustainability questionnaire. Um, and it's very, very wide-ranging. The Prince of Wales has been very instrumental in, in upping people's game when it comes to what they do locally, um, socially. We had to demonstrate that we, we've supported local organisations with charitable donations, um, which is something we, we, we do do. We value it. And all of this is recognised, as well as, of course, the Prince of Wales is very keen on the environment, as we all know. And so when we started supplying Highgrove, it had to be peat-free, but he's also keen on, on organics. And that's something that we've, we've um, a lot of our basic raw materials are certified and approved by the Soil Association. And we do have a fully Soil Association approved organic growing medium for both retail and professional and it was that that was recognized so yes we 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 were very 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 yeah. very chuffed by that it was a very happy day for us <laughs> well i'm interested to hear the work the prince's staff do in the background to ensure you know sustainability that you're working in the community and doing other uh, good social things that uh, you don't just get the prince's feathers because you've supplied for a number of years. Yes, yes. I, I say we were we were surprised at the depth and breadth of the investigation. It was by no means just proving what we'd sold to them. It was that was the start, um, and it went much deeper and broader. Um, and um, all the more satisfying, really. Uh, to and, and now, of course, the challenge is we must keep keep at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, if uh, anyone listening. Uh, wants to uh, get your product, if they go online, you actually list where there are retailers or suppliers, don't you? Yes. Um, we're often asked this question because we're not, we're not, we've only been at this retail side of the market since 2014. So we're not in every garden centre by any means, but we, we have a where to buy tab on the website and we try and keep it up to date, uh, but in, in big letters, we do have, have a, a recommendation to always ring in advance because we can't know if somebody hasn't gone in the day before to a particular garden centre and cleared them out. So, But as far as we can, we try and keep it um, as, as live as possible um, and uh, direct people to, to their nearest garden centre. And indeed, we, we also list some, some online retailers as well. We don't do on, online retail ourselves. We, we like to support our stockists as, as, as best we can. But we, we took on a new, um, very experienced um, salesperson. Beverly Mosley joined us in the spring of this year. And um, she's beavering away, getting around as many garden centres as possible. And that we're finding increasing interest that, that um, the more people buy, the more people want to buy. The reputation <laughs> grows. <It's laughs> it, it, it takes time. It does take yeah. time. It does. Yeah. Catherine, it's been great speaking to you. Thanks for the time. Uh, and uh, I look forward to meeting again fairly soon. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Peter. I'm very grateful. 
I thought for my tailpiece this week, uh, you might be interested to know that uh, charge points for electric cars uh, are being put into garden centres. I was interested to read that Otter Nurseries down in Devon, Pole Hill in Kent, uh, Klondike up in Scotland and the North East, oh, and Blue Diamond, uh, they've already installed uh, uh, these electric car charging points. I mean, if the garden centre's got a nice coffee shop, then it's easy parking. You know, you just drive in, plug your car in and go and have a cup of coffee. Uh, it's quite good business, apparently. A hotel in Northampton installed 10 chargers and saw occupancy go up by 20% and the restaurant take-ins increased by uh, £3,800 a week. The numbers of uh, electric cars are certainly increasing. There were 3,500 registered in 2013 and nearly 180,000 in 2018 and they say that by 2020 there'll be around 400,000. So we'll need some charging points. And why not pop into the garden centre, free and easy to park, nip in and have a cup of coffee, and then off you go on your way again. Thanks again to our sponsor, Sutton Seeds, and, of course, my producer, Rich Jarman. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your gardening. We'll be back next Thursday. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.